I'm recording. I'm running B-roll, but it doesn't matter. I think all this is going to make the cut anyway. So we're just going to start it off. IKYD, oh, God damn it. IKYDA episode 12. The perfect day to boss up, man. This is your boy, Day Smooth, a.k.a. Don Joseph Biscotti, a.k.a. The Boy Who Lived, Harry Potter, a.k.a. Hoodie Hero, When I Stream, man. Coldest podcast on the coldest sack, man, and the coldest podcast in the winter. I'm here with a special guest near and dear to me, man. It's one of my best friends. I can proudly say that I've had a best friend for a very long time, and I'll let him introduce himself. Yo, what's up? My name Demetri. I also go by Moxie and the Creative DC. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I have my own podcast. Um, it's well, right now it's called the shit I care about. Um, I'm the reason why I call it that because I think I give explanation for that is because I do things off of emotion sometimes when I podcast. So I'm just rolling through it trying to see what sticks and what don't. Yeah. For all the guys who out there who don't know, uh, Caldwell is actually one of the people who I actually have scouted to actually be a permanent host on this podcast. Uh, it's just about timing and about getting into the right locations where we're all together and the clarity in the podcast sounds great, but uh, he definitely delivers a great thing to this podcast. And I'm so happy that you guys actually get a chance to hear the conversations that we do have just on a daily day-to-day basis when the microphone is not in place. The one thing I can say about him is he's probably one of the people who I feel like I'll be most comfortable with on the podcast. And at some point I'll even forget that the microphone's in front of me. And to me, I think that's the best way to podcast is when you forget the mic's even in front of you. And honestly, with having the mic outside of my hands right now, I have been learning so much about how like less the mic really matters when you don't have to hold it. And it's, it's so fucking amazing. Um, so here at the IKYDA podcast, as always, you guys know, we always start with the week review where we do our reviews. We see how you guys have been doing and we check in on us. So, you know, as always, how have you guys been doing? Go ahead and give it a little pause for you guys to respond. Pause, pause, pause. And then y'all ask us. So how was my week? I'll start with myself because I started the podcast and I'll let Caldwell come in and tell you guys about his week. So my week last week was great. Um, quite frankly, it was the last week of my job at Target. I can finally say the name of the job that I was working at. I was working security at Target. And it was the last week. And now I have transitioned into a tech position. I actually just got the confirmation from my first day of work on Monday and got my schedule. I actually have an early schedule, working four days a week. Uh, it's the first time I'm actually telling you this, Caldwell. So I actually found out I have, um, it's four day, four 10-hour days, which is really dope. Um, so... I'll have a, just a free time to do anything I really want to do, man. And honestly, that is that is my week review. So other than that, it's just me actually picking up this Rick Ross book that actually Caldwell and I are going to talk about today and just learning how to DJ, man. That's been my week, man. What about you, Caldwell? I got fired. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, so this is the first time I've ever been fired from a job. Um... I used to think how people get fired, you know, like how can somebody just be incompetent enough to get fired? But sometimes it's not incompetence that gets you fired. You're just not a right fit for the job. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, you can produce results and customers can like you. You No coworkers can like you. Um, Managers can like how the way you handle situations. But if you don't produce the numbers I won't say numbers. If you don't produce the metric that they want, and might as well collecting payments, then you know you kind of like they're gonna say you suck at your job, regardless of everything else. So it's a first time for everything. But like David said, you know, um, if I wasn't reading this book, actually, I was reading this book while I was getting fired on the clock. Right, right. 
So it kind of like, it, it kind of put me in the right mood to move on. Because normally when I, I don't have a job, I feel like anxiety and stress. I, I, just, I still feel anxiety or whatever, but it's not as much because, you know, I know what I have to do and I have to focus on one general direction. But more of that once we talk about the book. Right, right. And so for those of you guys who don't know, because I just recently actually backtracking, I actually learned some things about myself in the last couple of weeks. And the one thing I did learn that leads into this book that I want to discuss right now is the fact that I have not been active on social media for a long time. And by a long time, I mean ever since coronavirus was conceived. Uh, the reason for that is simple, uh, reclaiming my time as a uh, Judge Ruth Bader Ginsler, or I think that's who said it. Actually, it's probably not who said it. That's the woman who died. RIP. Never mind. It was another judge who said it. My bad, y'all. As she said, reclaiming my time, though, and that's just all I was about doing. Um, just making sure that my, my aura, my energy was clear and I was just surrounded by people. Like I told you guys, I've lost a lot of friends, but I've actually gained friends back and the friends that I have are the ones that are permanent and they're the ones that are going to work out and they are the ones that fit into my plan. So I've been diving back into social media, just learning to post. And for the last two days, I've actually posted about this book that both Caldwell and I have been reading, which is the Rick Ross book, The Perfect Day to Boss Up. Now, usually I am not an advocate for reading books. I'll be honest with you. I only read them in middle school for scholastic book fairs and because I wanted that thing, you know, like the thing, like where you could read books and like you did like the tests and then like you got the points for the books and like if you were the highest in the like, grade, you know, what I'm yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah, so I did that. Like, and I read all the Harry Potter books. I mean, I cheated one year. I did like all the Harry Potter tests and all the Lord of the Rings tests. And those were like the big points joints back in the day. And I just cheated my way through. And that was like the last time I think I honestly really read, but um, Rick Ross who actually penned this book is, is by far my favorite rapper. Um, and, and that's just, it really is just what it is. I, I honestly, I just hear his bars, just the way he talks. It, it is luxury rap. And I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's, a, it's something about luxury rap when somebody's rapping about things that you just don't have that just make you want those things. One of the biggest things about hip hop for me is that I need people to say things that make me Google shit. It's important to me because not only does it expand my vocabulary, it gives me words to use. And, and, and it gives me things to aspire for because for life, we, we just always want to aspire for things. And that's what I got out of this book, Rick Ross, The Perfect Day to Boss Up. So here to talk about with me or here to talk about this book with me is my friend Caldwell, as I've already said. And we will start. So going into the book, Caldwell, what were your thoughts? Like before even reading the book, when you just saw the cover of it. Um, my thoughts about the book, uh, I honestly know what this fit. Um. I don't read often, but I do read books that intrigue me. And I didn't know how to take a book from a rapper. Mm. You know, so that's that's the standpoint I was coming from. Because, you know, I already knew he was like a, like he's a serial entrepreneur. Like I knew that. Like if you listen to his albums, you already know he's like a serial entrepreneur. So it's not like I didn't know that, but I didn't know how it was going to unfold. Like how I was going to tell the story. Because I was expecting to hear like, you know, basically an album. I'm reading an album. <laughs> you know, he just talking about how he a boss and da da da. I thought it's gonna be like some fabricated stuff in there, but it's not. You know, it's no fabrication. It's like an actual conversation, right? Um, yeah. So that that's what made it real though. It was just personal, and you kind of see behind the scenes of why he did certain business moves. Mm. You know, and it makes sense, right? So, yeah. Yeah. It's like going into this book. Uh, just even when I heard him detail the book. In all honesty, walking into this book, I thought it was a, um, I thought it was a biography, or I thought it was like a memoir 
uh, or something of that sort. Just walking in, just you're seeing the cover. Because usually you see when artists, they write books, those are usually the uh, the realm of or the scope of the books that they write. Um, boy, was I wrong about this book. Uh, this this book is, actually, if you go to a bookstore, if you go to Barnes & Nobles, this book is in the finance section. What? And after reading, yes, I swear to God. This book is in the finance section. I was looking in the biography section for the longest time. I actually had to go up to the clerk, and she Googled it, or she looked it up on her little thing. It was in the finance section. Um, and honestly, after reading this book, it's not hard to see why it was in the finance section. Um, this this book to me, after reading it, this is this is a rich man's guide to coronavirus. This 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 book is a rich man's guide to coronavirus, and it is it, it details what he specifically did in coronavirus and what he did in coronavirus he felt like was so valuable that it was worth writing a book for. And he was right. So um, for those of you guys who might not read the book, the book starts out actually with a chapter called The Fungus is Among Us, and it basically just details what happened uh, specifically with him leading into coronavirus and leading up to what he did and, um, and why he chose the decisions that he chose. And then the rest of the book is kind of a guide to what he did in coronavirus and the moves that he made. And he touches upon a lot of things. And just in, in, in true rapper fashion, to me, this book has an abundance of quotables, an abundance of things to take away and wealth and knowledge. That, um, like Caldwell told me before I even read the book, uh, th- this, this book sounds like a conversation. He's talking to you. Or it's like you're listening to him. It's like you're sitting in the room, and maybe you're not the person he's directly talking to, but you're like in the vicinity, and you can actually hear the conversation. Yeah, like that's what this book felt to me. Um, so uh, things that stuck out to me in the beginning of the book, honestly, and I'll let Carl take over after this, is that um, he he details that. But uh, it's maybe it's a secret. I don't know. I don't think it's a secret. I think everybody knows that rappers' money comes from show money. Artist money comes from show money. He details and he's honest with the fact that he says the show money was going to be slower because of coronavirus, and at that point that that was the biggest income when it came to most musicians, and that they were going to have to find a way to to basically recoup the income. He could have chilled and he could have been fine with the money that he had right then and there, but he wanted to know how he could keep it going. Like he said, he changed his mentality from a million dollar mind frame to a billion dollar mind frame. And um, a lot of this book details and it pens that and it shows the ways that he did it, like buying a tractor, cutting his own grass, um, the deals he's making, uh, Bel Air Rose, the Rosé, uh, doing things with his brand that actually attribute to him and they're akin to him. Uh, just, yeah, I feel like I'm getting too deep, Call, I'm going to let you take over because I was definitely about to like slide into like one of my favorite parts of the book, but I want to let you get mm-hmm. into the book first. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, the first chapter, um, I know I thought I'm about to go this by chapter by chapter. Mm. I'm gonna hit key points. It's, it's just a lot of key points. Yeah, there are. Um, but yeah, so the the first chapter, first of all, I want to say that this book was like a reaffirmation of the way I've been thinking for years. Mm. You know about certain things and certain mentalities, and this book made me this book made me feel confident that I'm not the only person who thinks like this, like. If one person can be successful with a certain train of thought, theoretically, the next person can too. You know, it just depends on certain outliers like 
ambition, things that people can't give you. Right. You know, like ambition and things like that. You know, so it does, outliers do apply, but, you know, um, it's just very interesting. And the fact that, the fact that he's seen this as an opportunity, you know, like. That's big. That's big. Yeah. It is big, especially when he was walking around his mansion and he was trying to figure, and he was actually like analyzing why Holyfield had actually felt in the mm. music career. That's what I was getting ready bought, to say just now. That, oh my God. That's one of my favorite parts. Keep going. Yeah, because he bought Holyfield Mansion um, at a discount, and it's in Atlanta, Georgia. But um, in the past, Holyfield, and I didn't think about it because I was younger and I wasn't a boxing. Well, I wasn't in the boxing then. I was younger, like he did have a record label. Like he had a lot of stuff and he had it on his property. And, you know, um not gonna jump too forward into it, but the fact that um Ross was looking at why how he felt and why he felt and looking at his property and the things that he have, it all made sense. But going back to making money, like I say, it's a all it's basically a guide to how to make money at coronavirus. It is. Because when the coronavirus first hit, the first thing I said, I wish I had money to invest in tissues, you know, stocks, just, just anything. Like, we, when people think about making money, we tend to think we have to get more jobs. I'm trying to get out that mindset. You do need more jobs, but you have to start somewhere and specialize in something and be a worker first. Mm-hmm. Before you start branching off and having multiple streams of income, but you know, it's it's interesting. But like I said, the first chapter it was interesting. You know, he's on Holyfield Estate. He bought it and he's trying to figure out how to make more money. Hmm. Okay, all right. So I want to flip this on his ears real fast because I realized that I'm not approaching this the way that I truly, really want to approach this. So I want to restart with this. Ikyda, we are not ashamed to restart in the middle of the podcast, and that is what I choose to do. So I'm going to restart this, and I'm going to give you guys a fresh take on this. So before I did this podcast today, in rare fashion, just like Rick Ross said in this book, I smoked a J. I got hella faded, and I got in the mindset that I needed to get in chill so that I could record this podcast. So let me be real with you guys right now. This book right here, this book is for creators. And this book is for people who want to elevate the game and they feel like there are steps that they are missing. This is the honest God's truth for this book. The the God's honest truth. Like People who are going to enjoy this book are people who feel like they are missing things, but they still want to achieve things. They just want to know what's that one thing that mm, that just fucks them up or just gets in their way of achieving their fucking dreams. Um, the Holyfield thing is one of the best parts of this book. And I want to explain this part and I want to dive in. Rick Ross bought Holyfield's mansion at a discount. One day went around, looked around, found a barn that he had never been into in Holyfield's or in, in his new place, the promised land and found out it was a recording studio and it was Holyfield's old recording studio. What that studio did for Rick Ross was made Rick Ross think to himself, Damn, why didn't this shit work out? You know one of the most important things I took from this book is? Is that the way people fuck up is you do things that don't align with your fucking brand. Holyfield was a boxer, and this nigga was selling grills like George Foreman and tried to open a studio. Rick Ross said this nigga said he was was an advocate for Christianity, but he hired all thugs to record music. 
It doesn't align yeah. with your brand. The one big thing, the one underlying meaning from this book that I took is that it shows you how to get the brand. Well, it doesn't necessarily show you how to get the brand. It shows you the mean, the means to hustle, the means to get the stuff done, the mentality to have while you're working your way up. Like I work my way, my way up with this podcast. Like I have a newfound respect for what I want to do with this podcast and what I want to do with all my other stuff. Like it shows you the keys to doing that. And then it shows you how to operate when you get it. Another one of the key parts of this book is that he says that, you know what I'm saying? Like that if you're unprepared or <coughs> excuse me, if you're unprepared for a once in a lifetime chance, it's the same thing as not being prepared or, or, or not, not getting it at all. Like, like you always got to be prepared. You always have to do things and align yourself in a place where you're always ready to present yourself at damn near a hundred percent. And I never thought about that. I look at this podcast and I think about all the stuff that I could have did already. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, just paying for more ad revenue, getting more streams up, dropping more videos, doing a commercial, uh, like I said, doing more social media shit. And I think about myself and I'm like, yo, what if what if right now, like I got a chance to like broadcast my podcast or show some things or, or present a portfolio to my podcast? I legit only have audio. And that's not enough. So I got a question. Mm-hmm. When we was originally talking about the podcast, then does that change like because you know I want you know I was like just really hell bent on visuals. Right. Like I don't care. Like I really want visual to work. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have to be pristine or clean. I just wanna I want an intimate setting. Yeah. I wanna be on live, but I also want to record the audio even though I'm just sitting at my desk. Right. You know, so has that has that changed about how you were saying it makes sense what you said though because Doing it on live and not having a back catalog, you know, does defeat the purpose because mm-hmm. nobody can go back and listen to it. Right. But has your thoughts changed on trying to just do it all at one time? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's uh, I don't. I, I don't know if the thought process of doing it at all at one time changed. I think more so my mentality shifted towards investing in, I think, the side parts of this. Because I think that a lot of things when it revolves around business now, now that I'm reading a book and I'm learning how – like business is conducted, especially with a black man, you know what I'm saying, which is invaluable, especially when, in all honesty, there he's dealing with a bunch of white men um, who are richer than him. Um, like just looking at that, it just shows me how the minute details, like those are mo- the most important things. Another uh, part of this book that I'll, I'll use to uh, back this point up is when Rick Ross first met the guy for Bel Air Rose, eh, they did not mm-hmm. seal a deal at all. All they did was talk. The dude said, I don't think this is a good fit right now. Rick Ross said, okay. And you know what Ross did? For the next year, and I didn't even know this shit, he was putting on for Bel Air Rose without even being associated with them. He willed that into existence. And then a year later, he and it says in the book at the end, or one near the end, at a year later, when they re-had this conversation, there was no conversation that needed to be had because that dude already knew Rick Ross's value from the fact that he was promoting without having to get compensated for it. That showed me that the work comes before the work. As cliche as that might sound, like, so my thing is now, I'm like, damn, like, how many times have I looked at clothing businesses outside? Or how many times have I looked at things on Instagram that I thought, yo, that was dope, and it was a small business, and I didn't even try to align myself with it. Like, now I'm, like, on Instagram thirsty as hell looking for clothing that I think is cool. But like Rick Ross said, if you're going to do something, make sure it's aligned with your brand. So this book had me thinking, what is my brand? What am I doing? I thought to myself, it's the bars head stuff that I really want to do. It's this podcast I really want to do. 
those those are my brands. So now on top of that, I had to get a little deeper. I was like, but what is David? You know what I'm saying? David's anime, David's music, David's hip hop. I do all this stuff. So how do I encompass all this? Like this book had me thinking on like a molecular damn level, trying to like like scope myself. I damn near had a life transforming conversation with myself in the shower over a damn Rick Ross book. Like, yo, thank you, Rick Ross. I ain't gonna lie to you. Like this book really helped me. And I like I know it's a finance book, but to me it felt like a self-help book for me personally, because I felt like I found a lot of answers. You know what it really is? No, here's what it really is. I realized that a lot of the things that I thought was being thirsty is not thirsty at all. Going up to people, That's asking it. them for their help, going up, asking for the groundwork, like putting on for somebody before them niggas even invest money in you. To me, back in the day, if you would have said that shit in 2013, when I was 23, 24, 25 or some shit, that's the epitome of thirst. Not getting nothing in return. I would have never thought, Rick Ross said in the book, you know what I'm saying, he, um, he, he, he invested in things like a studio and all the stuff like that, and then he flipped around, and even though it was, it was no, no, that's not what it was. What the hell was it? Oh, yeah, he bought the damn promised land, and after he bought the damn promised land, he ain't sit there, and he ain't just let that shit be a fucking house and be an asset that he lost. Nigga, he loaned that shit out to fucking movie studios. That shit was a, a return on interest, the ROI. That, that was crazy when I, I was like, I did not know that, and he, ran, and, and he let people rent his car. I was like, whoa. And you know what that shit made me think? That shit made me think how many times have I had somebody in here and I recorded them? I ain't charge them, and I said it's because I love the game. That's dumb. I paid $400 for this Rodecaster Pro. I need to get my money back, at least 400 from it. I got to break even. A lot of the game is about breaking even. Playing the long game. One of the other things that really stuck out to me, especially, you know what I'm saying, thank God before this job right now, I was living a paycheck-to-paycheck life. One of the things that this book really taught me, and it's so crazy because, full disclosure, Baldwin and I play a lot of, freaking card games right and we we talk about going into business with card games all the time and 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 a quote from this book freaking saved my life when it came to this business that Caldwell and I want to work on and it is the apex for what I am adopting myself under now Ross said that you know what I'm saying having a rainy day fund and I'm paraphrasing having a rainy day fund isn't only for negative things man it's for positive investments and blessings when they come your way and you know what I thought I thought about how many times shit has happened and I never had the money to buy the positive shit in a positive time and that shit sucks. I just said that the other day. And, that shit, and it sucks. It fucking sucks. But you're right. You did. And yeah. the shit resonated with me. And 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 just just hearing it, I guess, twice in a week, I'm just like, damn. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, we go around thinking ourselves, you hear that, that, that commercial where it's like, some people don't even have savings, and a lot of people don't even have enough to cover a $500 card. You, you know the bullshit I'm talking about. You, you know that one, Jerry. Like, and you hear the yeah. negativity about it, but you don't never hear the positivity about it. Like, you know, if you saved your money, who knows, in the right time, you could have did this. Perfect example is the niggas who had money saved up, the niggas who pre-ordered that PS5. We ain't got them. People who had money saved on a rainy day when the PS5, because PS5 be dropping on random days, Tuesday at like 3.42 in the afternoon and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? And and who gets them? The people who got four or five hundred dollars saved up. That's true. That's right. I ain't think about it like that. I'm trying to tell you, man, this book really fucked Dang. me up. We've been lacking, even trying to get PS5. If you want to learn how much you're lacking, read this book. You'll get something out of it. I, I honestly <laughs> the same thing when I tried to get this job that I actually got blessed with. I, I've probably written down a hundred notes from this book that I'm not even using right now because it's been so easy to have this conversation now that um 
that I'll, I'll never say, but I'll always go back to look on. Another thing that I really like about this is I like the fact that Ross owned up to a lot of his shit in this book. I'm looking at one of my notes. Uh, he, he addressed the fact that he was a correctional officer, and he addressed the fact that he lied about it. And, he, and you know what he did to make it even better? He talked about what happened, the repercussions for doing that. The you don't even know it verse, he talked about that. Put Molly on her champagne. She ain't even know it. I took her home and enjoyed that. She ain't even know it. He talked about that. He talked about the loss he took with Reebok. And you know what he said at the end of it? That wasn't Reebok's fault. So then he said, he could. I could have went online. I could have said F Reebok. I could have said all that shit. But what would have happened to future endeavors? Ross shows me a sign of maturity, and his money shows me a sign of maturity that a lot of people do not have. Yeah, because you didn't know it, part. That kind of like... When I first, like, when it actually happened, I'm like, whoa. But now hearing the, what happened and him owning up to it, like you said, and, you know, just the thought process behind owning up to it. Because most people just put out a press release. Mm-hmm. And, you know what I'm saying? They go on Twitter, you know. But it's like he didn't even really do that. He just took it. He just took the L. You know, oh, yeah, that's another thing while I'm thinking about it. See, because where? I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, when he was talking about just taking L's, right? Yeah. You know, but see, I was thinking like, well, cause I was like, I'm tired of saying L's because I believe I believe in words. Like, okay, Erica Badu, right? This is getting off track. Erica Badu. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. All right. So she feel like you should write everything down because spelling. When you write it down, you're spelling you're spelling it out, and that's a spell. Mm-hmm. Like some also Harry Potter shit. You know what I'm saying? Like she said that. You know what I'm saying? But I know she into like weird stuff like that, but that junk kind of like got me thinking. You know what I'm saying? She really trying to bring, she really trying to put some type of positive spin or some type of insight on such a simple thing. So when I was reading that, I was like, well, I ain't taking L's no more. I'm taking lessons. My L's going to stand for lessons now. I'm just taking lessons. No more L's. We ain't losing no more. We taking lessons now. Mm. All right. I just uh, want to share that. I want to ding back to the Ross quote because I actually want to give you guys the Ross quote in um in its actual form. And verbatim it says, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that suddenly presents itself is worthless if you're not in the right position to capitalize on it. That was honestly one of the strongest quotes in this book. It 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 really <laughs> it that quote is gonna change what my bank account looks like. Period. If I don't take no. anything else from this book, that one quote will change everything for me. Man, my one quote is um, it's the beginning of the book because when I was getting fired, <laughs> and it resonated so hard, <laughs> it was like it was like the dangerous part of excuses is that a lot of them make sense. Nigga, that's I wrote that one down. That's one of the ones I wrote down. That's why. That's why when I got fired, I just took it to the chin. You know what? Yeah, you right. That you got a question, though. You understand what's going on? Yes, I'm getting terminated. You sure you don't have any questions? No. I just need the number to call HR office just in case I don't get my check, and that's pretty much it. And, you know, I ain't trying to make any excuses. But I was in the practice of doing that before. And then the thing about excuses, another quote yet. Are you talking, about, you talking about the Jordan? You talking about the Jordan Tiger Woods joint, the flu game? And Tiger went yeah. with a broken leg. He's talking about the uh, the thing about the only reason why people remember your problems and excuses positively is because you actually won the goddamn game. 
see that one way. Did I put? I didn't put that one, but I was gonna say it. That, that was the one. That was one of the ones that resonated with me because I'm like, yeah, nigga, if you lose the game and you use that excuse, don't nobody give no no fuck. If you got an excuse yeah, after you win, true. that joint turns into a legend. Yeah, and that joint is just crazy. So that's why I was like, you know what? I just my next endeavor. You know, it is podcasting, and I have been making excuses, and I know that, and people around know people around me know I make excuses. Mm-hmm. But they they don't um, y'all don't feed into it. Right. It's just that I'm hard headed, and I know I'm hard headed. You know, so that's like that's like a personal thing I gotta work on. Yeah. You know, so um, this book yeah. is full with a lot of quotes that are really good. Uh, another one that you guys will probably know is the uh, the Bruce Lee be formless like water quote. Um, this is the first time I actually saw that quote, and it like really applied, and like and actually like understood it. Like it's easy to understand, but like in this sense, like I really was like, oh, okay. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Be be fluid with your business. You know what I'm saying? Be able to adapt to anything. You know what I'm saying? The the water yeah, takes the shape of the glass when it's in the glass. Like <laughs> it sounds so simple, but it's so great. That was in the book. Yeah. It was in yeah, the book. I told you that last week. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dang, for real? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because it was talking about the book. You told me shut up. Yeah. yeah, it was in the book. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was. Um <laughs> and then there was another joint. Um, damn, I really have a lot of notes. And I I had it, but I um Damn, there was this Kobe quote inside the book. Oh, no, nah, I already got you. Oh, thank God. It's a what separates great players from all-time great players is the ability to self-assess, diagnose weakness, and turn on flaws in the strength. There Kobe it is. Bryant. God damn. Uh, I'm so happy that we actually took the same shit from this book because God damn, that quote, man, that shit fucked me up too. I was like, yo, Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> Kobe was saying, all like, this is the type of shit that makes me like, go back and look at, like, YouTube videos from, like, four or five, six years ago and just be like, yo, what did I miss? Because Kobe must have been saucing on people with some of these quotes. And, like, even just seeing Rick Ross just talk about the fact that about Kobe and, like, he looked like he was going for another 20 years of the second act of his life and it was going to be fire. He just won a, a damn, uh, what was it, an Oscar? Like, oh, like, man, I'm just seeing people who, like, apply themselves, bro, and I'm just realizing how much, like, I'm, I don't apply myself and I get upset at myself, but at the same time I look at myself and I'm like, yo, it's not too late. Rick Ross spent 10 years trying to push his music before he got on. 10 years, bro. That's true, too. I ain't even thinking about that. He spent 10 years in Miami trying to put his shit on. Nobody was feeling them because they was probably jugging down there, listening to juke music. And he was, he was getting off this luxury shit. And then 10 years after that, it's... It's, it's just yeah you know what else I like I like him talking about I like him talking about his early connections with Drake because it, it lets me know that like the uh, the presence that they both have on a track like that was crafted through the years like that didn't just happen that wasn't yeah. effortless like like they they had a connection and it was I really like I really like that because now I'm like it made me even more anxious for a project between them um, even then like stuff like that. I like the fact that Rick Ross, what he does is he takes, he takes his, um, his business ventures, hers, anything that he has going on and he incorporates that stuff in everything. There's nothing that he does that doesn't coincide with other shit, which is, which goes back to connecting with your brand or feeling the stuff that you have to do or having a personal connection with what you're branding. Rick Ross raps about fucking lemon pepper wings in every goddamn song, bro. And wings don't got nothing to do with rap. But they're selling the goddamn wings over at Wingstop. Rick Ross was rapping about Bel Air Rose. He did the Black Bottle Boy shit, the Black Bottle Girl shit. Niggas was buying Bel Air Rose. I think I tried to buy Bel Air Rose one time. 
Another thing I like about Rick Ross is he doesn't never operate outside of his means, man. Especially with the Bel Air shit. He said, look, like this was like a rose. It was from a different part of Spain or France. And then he said, like, it was it was a cheaper bottle, so it could be sold to more people. And that's what really appealed to him. Like just his eye for business and his reasons behind going to what he goes to, like it was just so intricate and it's just so interesting. And it's just like, damn, like that's that's the hustler's mindset. Like when I think about a hustler's mindset, like a lot of y'all who say y'all got that mindset, y'all don't got that shit. Like Ross really has a hustler's mindset. It's like he really did just allow you inside his brain to actually see like, yo, like this is meticulous. Like even if he didn't say it in so many words, it's like it was just so many actions that you could see that he had to go through to do this stuff. Going out of town, you know what I'm saying? Paying, getting paid two fifty to record a um or or to perform at a club, and then looking at it like, nah, I can't even use this money because if I use this money. I'm buying a hotel and I'm I, I came here for no reason. Just deciding to go back home, doing all this stuff like it's it's smart business decisions, workarounds and stuff like that that we think that we don't know. And we live in a society where we're all about convenience. Think about Grubhub, think about fucking Uber Eats and all this shit. And every time you order something, how much money are you paying for delivery when you could have just went and picked that shit up? But then Rick Ross went and bought a goddamn John Deere cracker and and fucking cut his own grass. And saved probably how much money? And he's rich. And, he could have spent the money. And that whole track of things started in epiphany. We started his book. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you, <laughs> the more and more I'm learning is the more and more you put your own hands in and you get your hands dirty with the stuff. The more and more you give yourself an opportunity to elevate. Another one of these things that I liked about this book, uh, and I'm I'm sorry, I'm going out of order, guys, but it's just how amazing this book is. Is that Ross? He he did the same. He said the same thing that I say to a lot of my friends, where it's like, yo, look, a job is a means to the bread. The bread is the means to the to the, to the goal or to what you what you want to do. You know what I'm saying? But also, don't look at your job. Like it's like the scum of the earth or it's like a fucking stress for you because the job, you spend the majority of your time at your job of your life. So at the end of the time, at the end of the day, when you die, like the majority of your time was spent at work and you don't want to have to look back like, damn, I spent the majority of my life wasted. (coughs) And it really opened up a lot, like a lot to my eyes and it it made me um, more tolerable to a lot of shit when it comes to working in the professional workplace and just how I look at a career. Cause I'm, I'm not, I'm not claiming jobs no more. I'm claiming careers with salaries. Hmm. Like I, I got to get into the mindset of a boss. A boss always learns. A boss is always ready to learn. The boss never thinks he knows any or everything. Like I really want to be a boss, man. Like, like this book really inspired me. It's been a long time since I've been inspired by by actual book, but I'm inspired to read more books for this. One of the things that I wrote for this book is I want to buy the 48 Laws of Power. See, I want to read it. Even, even if I agree or I don't agree, because one of the things that made me want to yeah. buy the book is Ross said he agreed. He read the 48 Laws of Power. He said there was a law that he did not agree with, and he said the man who wrote the 48 Laws of Power said that the 48 Laws of Power are there for you to either do that thing or do the opposite thing of that thing in times of need. Yeah. So now I, I want to know. I want to know what the opposite is. <laughs> you got to refer back to it. Yeah, like I, I, I want to know. So I, I want to read I want to read the 48 Laws of Power. I actually have it written down to uh, buy that book. It might be the next book I do buy. So this book has definitely opened up me wanting to read a lot more. Yeah, I normally get outliers after this. Mm. That's all my food. Yeah, Laws of Power just sound like a manual that I'm gonna have to refer back to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, that's the thing. And I don't know. I I want to. I hope to God that it's not like um. I, I liked reading just because it was like Ross, and it felt like it was reading Ross. I hope I, I just have like an affinity for reading now. I'm able to just uh, read. One thing I will do is I will buy the book Hurricanes because I think it seems more like a biography for him. So uh, I like the way he writes, especially if it's the same uh, co-writer who wrote this book. I wanna I wanna definitely read Hurricanes. Oh yeah, yeah, I can read that. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, because this guy, like this guy was really good at adapting uh, everything Ross said. It honestly felt like Ross was like right there writing the book. This actually showed me, like, damn, like co-writers are really good at making <laughs> making the book look like, yo, you wrote this drink. Uh, but let's see, what else? Um, you have any other thoughts on this book? Mm. I, I really just want people to buy this book. I'm be honest with you guys. I gave you a lot of a lot of gems and a lot of things that meant to me, and there's a lot more stuff that. That means a lot more to me that I want to save for myself for this book, but I do urge you guys to spend this 20 and go buy this book. I'm looking for a quote because it's, it's a cover thing. Mm-hmm. It's a couple of key points that I want to point out mm-hmm. because you know, it's like I said, it's, it's hard when I talk to people about stuff, when I be giving what David calls them Carwell speeches. And it's one it's those it's those speeches where it's those speeches where I really dig deep. And the type, what type of time I'm on, like if I'm on some bullshit and I start giving a speech, like I'm mostly telling the truth. But then I'm going to go back doing what I was doing before. Mm-hmm. But it's just, but it's not for me. I need to listen to myself, but it's mostly for others. Right. And there's and it's a couple of things that I've seen that I was like, when I say these things, okay, right here, where we're going to start. Yeah. All right. So people get, so people, People get confused and think hustling hard means moving fast. You know, and that's that's the thing that I'm having an issue with when I try to bring people on. Well, what I did try to bring people on. Because it's not, I had a podcast. Um, it didn't work out. I'm I'm still, I'm not torn, but I'm kind of bitter from that. So that, that that's part of the reason why I act the way I act too. Because I have to get over that. Just like I had like this thing with music for a while, I had to get over too. You know, it just ain't, it just stops me from doing what I something I want to do because I just I'm so bitter with it. But you know, hustling, hustling. Wait, can I talk anywhere I want on here? Caldwell, it is my podcast. <laughs> I know. All right, so hustling, like okay, so like in high school, the dope boys in high school, right? I used to think that hustling was that they was getting fast money. Because mm-hmm. when people think hustling, they think fast money. You know, and it can be fast money, but sometimes hustling does mean making the correct move and position yourself in the correct position so you can make the money, so you can make it residual. You know, so sometimes, sometimes you have to really think about when you're trying to get a new job, or you're trying to find a career, or you're trying to make a move, you're trying to make an album, you're trying to do anything. Just because you're making connections and just because you see the pieces coming together as quick as they are, doesn't mean that it's going to go anywhere. You know, you really can't tell when your success is going to come, regardless, even if you had the money or not. If I had the money, I could buy everything I needed to be successful in the audio industry, in the audio industry, but that doesn't mean that it's going to come the next day. 
or the day after that, right. or even if it ever will. Right, right. You know, so you know, just just think about certain things when you say you wanna you wanna hustle, you wanna get out there, you know, you wanna make moves and things like that and change the world. It takes a certain type of person to even do that. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't ask a lot of questions. Like, because you, you got to find the answer for yourself because it's different for everybody. Right. And one of the things I want to piggyback onto that because you kind of said something that um, reminded me of another thing that was really important to me that I actually learned this morning is uh, the fact that um, you guys, especially creatives and people who own their own businesses, you are not wrong for wanting people to show you that they want to be a part of the stuff that you're a part of. Rick Ross detailed Correct. the whole thing where he was saying that um, – you know what I'm saying? He just didn't give hands out. He put people in positions to win. They were his homies, but they had to know that they had to show that they wanted to win. A lot of people, when you first start out your journey, it's like they don't show no interest. As soon as you start making a little money, make a little buzz, they show interest. That's cool. Make them work for it. Always. If they don't show interest in your dreams, if they don't if they don't put on for you before even getting on for you, do they like are they really putting in the work? Like Rick Raw, like I, I thought that was harsh when I first read it. Like expecting people to like do things for free. Like before you even like even like glance their way to like do shit, but then I realized no, it's not. You're showing a vested interest, and, and I'm adopting that from now on because you can't time back. Yeah, you, like it, I've dealt with so many people who 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 want to be down. You want to be gang. You know what I'm saying? You want to be be around when when it's good, but then when like we go through the rough times, like you're not prepared to to buckle down and just do the extra work that it takes to get back into the green. So, you know, from now on, yeah, it's a screening process before the screening process. Interviews got like three interviews before you even get the job. Why shouldn't I? So from now on, that's how serious I'm taking my stuff. I have all these ideas now, all these, these newfound ideas for how I want to do the stuff I want to do just, just by reading this book and visualizing or just seeing how small or how or yeah, how small minded or how box minded I was thinking when it came to a lot of these things. And now a lot of the ideas that I have have expanded. Like just 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 how I want to craft and build things, man. Like I'm excited. Like I, I um another thing that Ross said to do uh in the book, and I actually did it, was writing the list of things that you do during the day, right now. And then on the other side of the list, write the things that you oh. need to do to be successful. <laughs> right? I really wrote uh, that I, list. No, I didn't write that list because I know. I, I needed it physical. I wrote that list, and I started using that list as the goddamn bookmark in the damn book. It's sitting in my damn book right now, and it's never going to leave. So I always remember, like, the procrastination, not necessarily the procrastination side, but the side of me that's where I am right now versus the side of me that it requires to get to where I feel like I am already. Because a lot of us chill right now, or a lot of us chill and think that, oh, yeah, we're content or, like, life is great right now. But, like, we didn't even reach the point where, like, that actual feeling is justified, in my opinion. But, see, everybody not going to reach that. No, nah, not everybody, for sure. For sure. But, I mean, I'm talking about, not, like, people who want that stuff. Like, if you want nice things and, and you're sitting content, but at the same time you're asking yourself, like, why I don't have these certain things, then then that's what I'm that's what I'm referring to. Like, like that's, that's the type of person that I am. Like, you know what I'm saying? I want nice things. But I find myself sitting and being content a lot of the times, you know what I'm saying? But then I look around and I'm like, yo, I'm not content because I don't got the nice things that I want. So so I'm, I'm working on attaining just or, or, or just just adopting a, a better final form, perfect cell, if y'all will, to the point where, where achieving those goals are 
are are are feasible. That's the word I'm going to use because this is a finance book. It makes sense, but that but see that's so that's but that made me so sad, man. Like like that's one thing. It's just made me so sad. Like I can't stand. I can't stand wasted potential. Mm-hmm. Like I can't like if if you're in my life in any inkling type of way and you want to do something, you better just keep it to yourself. Because mm-hmm. once you start, I'm gonna talk you into it. Right. <laughs> and then I'm gonna do the research to see can I help you with it. Right. And then I start caring about it more than they do. Because mm-hmm. I just I see the finish line. Like I spent most of my most of my creative lifespan has been like that. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it's and it's like it's like reading this book. Like I realized that when I first okay, so reading this book made me realize when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, because um and this after I dropped out of high school, I read this book. Because mm. I want to be an entrepreneur. Before I say I want to be with music. I was like, I want to be an entrepreneur. And it's like a lot of mindset that I had when I was younger would have been perfect if I applied it now. Well, I can apply it now. It's just a little bit harder, mm-hmm. you know, to apply it now. You know, because I just want to do things that make me happy and not think about things like play the game, you know. So, but trying to slowly get away from that, because it got to a point where I didn't even play games no more. Right. Like I sold my Xbox and I just worked. That's all I did. I sold my Xbox. I just worked. Watch TV. That's it. Regular person, a Reggie. That's all I was. Just a regular person doing regular things. Mm-hmm. And no, and not and not trying to say you know what I'm saying that's a bad way to be. No, but I knew I was so much more. Right. You know. So. Yeah. You know, it just it just getting at that point that in that healthy space where I don't sit down all day and play the game. You know, so I already cut the Netflix habit, so I'm trying not to develop that again. And you know, it's just actually like. Figure out how to go above and beyond. I mean, because I can fill out job applications every day, but it got to be something else I can be doing. Right. And I don't want to backtrack you know, on my words, you know what I'm saying? But I do want to just mention the fact that, that, that this book is this book is for strictly creatives and entrepreneurs. There are different people in this world, and it is, it is fine if you are not creative, if you do not have an entrepreneurial mindset. But that's what this book is for. Like I, I'm, I'm so tired of myself going back on things, reneging and, and saying, uh, uh, I didn't mean to put it like this, or I want to say it like this, or I'm sorry. Like, no, I, I just want to be realistic. Like, this book is for creatives. This book is for people who wanted, want to be better with their finances, and, and and want to invest in money or entrepreneurs. Like, that's what this book is for. You got to start somewhere. If you if you want to, and that's what yeah. separates people who who need to read this book. If you want to start somewhere, this book is for you. But if you don't, if you're content, that's fine. Then this review's not for you. We should read like another book. But yeah. Um I I <laughs> I really can't say more amazing things about this book. It is uh it came at the right time. Um it's funny cuz uh for Caldwell and I it came at two separate times. Like you heard from him, he he lost his job when he came to this book and actually for me, I actually I took another step and it was a scary step. But it, it was a it was a better step, and it it this book has been a blessing, a damn godsend for just the moments because it, it really just puts you in a mind state to win 
or 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 it affirms what you already believe in, and it lets you know that you're not crazy, and that somebody who's already made it, somebody who's established, somebody who worked hard, they felt damn near the same way you do. It's just that they had the mind state to to go the extra mile, and I'm like a lot of you. Rick Ross did a lot of extra miles that if you asked me before I read this book, I just would not have did. I wouldn't have. But now that I realize that those extra miles, like that, that right there is where the stuff that I'm not getting is, I got to. I got to do it. So that being said, from this point on, man, I'm making a pledge off this podcast. And like I said, I always like putting things on wax. So I like people holding me accountable. From this point on, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going to plan these episodes days in advance like I did with this one. I'm going to have these things curated and set up, man, and I'm just going to take this podcast to the next level from here. I'm going to use my money. I'm going to put my money into investments, and I'm going to have my money making money for me because that's what I'm missing in life. We're kind of already doing it just on the stream smart. We ain't no profit, but yeah. Yeah, So, but I want to to do it in in a way that it is, it is undoubtedly so. And I can see it, and it's so big that other people can see it as well. They just don't know how it works. <sighs> IKYDA, episode 12, the perfect podcast to boss up, man. You can follow me on all social media that I choose to be on. Uh, Instagram, it is Hoodie Hero currently. Um, Twitter, it is Seth Hansen Free. And IKYDA's is If You Did Ask. Caldwell, please plug yours. Man, it's been so long. Um, you can follow me on Facebook, um, under Demetric Sherrod Caldwell, on this D-E-M-E-T-R-I-C-C-A-L-D-W-E-L-L, and my Twitter is, because it's, I'm really on it, but we got to work on getting on social media again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as always, please do not follow me on Facebook, because I do not know you like that, and that is for friends and family, and I am working on deleting people from there. Another thing I want to think about, uh, guys, is I actually think we should start a Discord group to actually have these conversations, or even better yet, let's just get hit like the kids, and let's just do a clubhouse. Mm. Get some like-minded people. Let's have a conversation. Let's get it in. Let's get in touch with some fans that we have right now, man. Let's get some people on the ground floor, man, because I like to rep people, man. People who've been here since day one, man, I always want to make sure that you guys get a shout-out. So I'm planning stuff like that, guys, man. I'm going to talk to Caldwell about it off air, man. But we love you guys, man. IKYDA episode 12. The train has just started. We are only 12 episodes in, and we are one stop short of the money, man. We are out.